everybody! We are super excited to be doing a live broadcast celebrating our brand new podcast. It's called Native Lights. My name is Leah Lem. Yep, and I'm Cole Primo, your other host today and on the podcast. We're so happy you've joined us for this live radio party in honor of Native Ooh. Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. That's right. Our show today is full of Indigenous voices shining. As always, lots of fabulous and interesting guests will join us in just a few minutes. But first, I guess we should tell you more about who we are. I'm a singer, songwriter, musician, etc. I've been working in media for over 10 years now. Kind of strange. And I'm a proud member of the Malax Band of Ojibwe. Likewise. I'm also a proud member of the Malax Band of Ojibwe and proud to be Leah's brother. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> oh, and, and I also work in a newsroom it's and I'm also a musician. <laughs> And we've been known to play a tune or two together. Yeah, yeah, a little music, and we're going to perform with each other at the end of the show. I might play a couple tunes, yeah. Yeah, but that's later. We're we're super excited to be here. Um, Just a little nervous. No, I wouldn't say too nervous. Like (laughs) 98% excited, 2% nervous, because I've never hosted a live radio show before in all my many years. Um, I've been interviewed live and made radio, but never one. The I was never the one watching the clock. There you go. How about you? No, maybe while daydreaming, <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> but here we are giving it a shot at the Minnesota State Fair from the corner of the Education Building. So come on by if you're here. Uh, it's great. The, we- the weather's great. The crowds are amazing, of course. The food's sizzling. That's right. I mean, we can't see outside, but nobody's wearing raincoats. Yes. You know, and nobody so looks like. Day sunburned so i'm assuming that it's pretty nice outside i think we're good anyway so the theme of native lights is to let people's voices voices and stories shine people who have found their purpose and a way to share their gifts with the community and we're going to kick off this party with someone who's been doing that all her adult life yay peggy flanagan (laughs) lieutenant governor is a citizen of the white earth nation and only the second Native American woman to ever be elected to statewide executive office in U.S. history. She also has a great singing voice, oh, nice. <laughs> which I've had the pleasure of hearing. Um, welcome to the party and welcome to the podcast, Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan. Bonjour. Thank you so much welcome. for having Bonjour. me. I'm really excited to be here. This is awesome. <laughs> well, this is more of a party than like, you know super high stress news so <laughs> a little loose i appreciate that i appreciate that but loose. yeah congratulations on your new podcast this is awesome yeah, i so love it before you were elected lieutenant governor you served on the minneapolis school board and as a legislator in the house of representatives we're so glad you made time for us to be with us today and a lot of native people and others around the country are really excited about your achievement i know for a newscast all i did was talk to people about their reactions to you being elected, you and Waltz. And it was like, uh, you know, she's a warrior woman. You know, I just had a baby girl, and I'm super excited that she can be, a, you know. That's so sweet. <laughs> I love so it. Cute. I love it. So it was a lot of cool reactions. Um, but I don't, I don't know. What do you want to talk about first? First, how how's the fair been? Oh, so good. I love the fair. <laughs> so, uh the governor and I came here on the first day of the fair at 5.30 in the morning. There you go. Um, and uh, greeted folks as they came in. And then I had a lot of coffee. Um, <laughs> and we were here yesterday. We're back again today. Um, so it's just, uh, I think it's a great time, especially if you're like a statewide elected official. Like everybody's here. <laughs> so you can just talk to everyone. There you um, go. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just a good time. And I'm, I will not tell you how much food 
I have consumed up until this point. I'm getting married in a couple weeks, and I'm just a little worried about how that dress is going to fit mm. post-fair, but we'll figure it out, we'll you know? Yeah. 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 Congratulations <laughs> on the engagement. <laughs> Thank That's you. super exciting. Thank you. Oh. It's really exciting. <laughs> yep. But back to the fair. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have to talk about food. <laughs> Do you have, like, a favorite, I don't know, aspect of the fair? Like, the animals or rides or Totally. Like so, I love... Um, I love the giant slide, and I love taking my kiddo down the giant slide. Um, I feel like when you think about it, it's pretty expensive <laughs> to like just you know like go down the slide once. But like for whatever reason, I'm like every year I'm like I'm ready. Let's do this. Uh, and Yield Mill, mm. it's so weird and so <laughs> wonderful simultaneously. So that's uh, and of course like the miracle of Birth Barn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is uh, it. I think there's over like 200 animals are born there um, wow. every every fair yeah. uh, and it is uh, wild and wonderful and I think people's reactions are priceless and like all oh, yeah. the moms who are in the barn are like mm-hmm, that's right that's what I did for you right like and yeah. it's great this is just the start <laughs> exactly. exactly I wonder how they time it just so they right? give birth right I don't know <laughs> but it's it is it is truly know. a miracle yeah so that's one of yeah. my favorite things to do yeah I always want to make it into the animal place but I don't know. Coal, coal is similar to me, but we have such bad allergies. Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. We can never go. I'm so it's glad like to that. meet other native people with allergies. I always am like, is it just me, man? Like, we no. didn't have allergies back in the day. Allergies like, and you know, asthma. You know, and yeah, asthma. me too. Yeah. I don't know why. It's not just the lactose. <laughs> right. Yeah. <for> sure. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, it's so good that you're here, and we really want to talk about kind of your journey. Yeah. Um, like we know how incredible you are and you know, all oh, that good stuff, but like really how how you got to where you are. And you know, like what was your kind of first mm, inclination towards wanting to help others and help others, you know, and raising others' voices, kind of like what we do here too. Well, I, I, um, I appreciate that question and I don't know that I can sort of pin it on one thing, but um, I would say, you know, my mom, uh, is a real, uh, a really incredible woman, and she raised me solo um, for most of my life. And uh, she, you know, uh, used a Section 8 housing voucher uh, to move us to the community of St. Louis Park, where I grew up. Um, we relied on public programs like CCAP, uh, SNAP, which back in the day we called food stamps. And I was a kid who grew up with asthma, and so Medicaid saved my life. And so a lot of these programs that we talk about at the Capitol were important to um, just my ability to just be alive. And so I think about the investment um, that our community, my family made in us, and now I get to pay that back and pay it forward. And so I think that's part of it. But I volunteered on the late Senator Paul Wellstone's campaign my senior year at the University of Minnesota. I was literally just like driving past his office and thought, you know what? I like Paul Wellstone. I'm just going to check it out. And so walked in and like seven people were like, hey, come on in. And I stuffed envelopes with complete strangers for like two hours. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> and um, just really uh, saw how incredible it was to have people come together across communities and, and work towards something they believed in. So I didn't ever think that I would run for political office at that point. But I saw that electoral politics was a tool in our toolbox to get the change that we needed and frankly to get attention paid to the issues that, especially as Native people, too often 
are ignored. So, and plus I'm nosy. And so like want to be <laughs> like, want to be part of uh, what's happening and make sure that I know what's going on. Yeah. It's amazing how we can connect just while stuffing envelopes. Right. You yeah. Know, and bond and like, I don't know, find unity and, for you know, sure. And like time. volunteering, I feel like is like one of those just gateways or steps into finding your thing um, and find, I was an early childhood special education or I was a, I wanted to be an early childhood special education teacher. And then I worked for Senator Wellstone and I was like, oh, so I took my child psych degree and my American Indian studies degree and eventually landed here as Lieutenant Governor. Yeah. <laughs> right? how, did, how did you end up studying those particular topics well I think so I was a vocal music major my freshman year um yeah yes uh and then I was like I don't want to sing arias um which no offense to people who like singing arias uh and I realized that music for me was something that was just for me and it felt weird to get graded on it when I was like this is the place where I just want to be able to express myself and so I thought about you know um what have I, I was a youth worker for a really long time and I was like, I wanna, I wanna do stuff with, with kids. So child psychology um, was my major and then I walked into uh, Professor Brenda Child's class <gasps> for my Intro to American Indian oh, Studies yes. class. Auntie and Brenda. Auntie it's Brenda. Our, it's our aunt. And everything changed. Like it was the first time I ever saw a teacher who looked like me at the front of the classroom mm. who was unapologetically, you know, unapologetically Ojibwe, um, regardless of who was in the class. And it just felt like um, there's a space that was carved up out for all of us. And um, I became a sponge. I will not tell you what my GPA was in high school, but uh, in college, I took like honors level coursework for fun mm -hmm. and took graduate level coursework with uh, Professor Child because... Um, she was like, you're smart enough and you should do this. And I was like, what? And to hear that from another Native woman, just like something clicked. Uh, and right after that, she helped me get my first job at the Division of Indian Work um, oh, yeah. and, you know, working with Native kids. So it was a way to kind of combine uh, both those things. Yeah. Wonderful. So she's like an OG and I love Brenda Child so much. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So, you know, you said you were a vocal performance major mm -hmm. for a brief spell. <laughs> You don't have to sing here or anything. <laughs> um, there's there's a YouTube video, right, with you? There is a YouTube video. Uh, I sing the national anthem at a couple of different sporting events, but the most fun one was at uh, TCF Bank Stadium when the Vikings were playing uh, the Packers. Oh. I got to sing the national anthem, and they said, they were like, okay, so you got to get it just right because the fighter jets are going to fly over. And I was like, yeah, whatever. And they're like, no, we're serious. And I was like, Okay, uh, so that was pretty high pressure situation, but it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. Oh so, my goodness! Yeah. So you still sing, and we we asked before the show. Yeah. If you had some artists or some tunes that mm -hmm. you'd like to highlight. Yep. And the first one is "Good Way" Frank Wall, and we're gonna take a quick listen to it, just mm -hmm. a little bit, and yeah. then maybe we'll talk about it after you sure. do that. Awesome. Okay. Good way, good way, good way. I can never really tie the dot. 
difference of who you wanted to be and who you really are, who you really are. Four holes on the boulevard and the phone car, like they all say. I'll keep you safe like Austin. Fall so hard, got all stay on an off day. What they all say, what they all say. Mess up, better step up, put your best up. When it stays hot, put your beds up. When it get up, when you get up, better dress up. Not to get by, but to exhale. When you inhale, but it ends well. So you inhale, till you get hot. When you feel like you just can't feel. What we dream of is a piece of what we need in. Life is a key and we need love. I believe love, I believe in. Fight for your peace and your freedom. What we become, how we speak in. The right of your life with the key in. Love can become your reason, your beacon. So just live for the moment, put it all in. On the ball, cause tomorrow's not promised. So good. <laughs> Very good. All right, so tell us why you like this, this song. So, I like the good way. Yeah, so like, number one, it's summertime, right? Yeah. And like, you can play that song with the windows down and just kind of like, you know, yeah. roll through, <laughs> right? This is yeah. a driving Right, driving yeah, song. it totally is. Um, I also think, well, I think Frank Wallen's pretty awesome. Um, but, you know, when I think about sort of being... Um, a native person in a lot of dominant culture settings. I think part of it is just like trying to do the best you can and do things in a good way. And if that can be what can guide you, even when you're like, you know, um, just living your life or getting out the door in the morning and um, just kind of uh, trying to remember who you are. Um, I think that that is the foundation for uh, how we can do right by people. So. And it's just a jam, man. It is. <laughs> I do like that because in, in the Native community, you're, you'll, you'll hear that a lot, like doing things in a good way. Yeah. So yep. I, I like that a lot. And it's usually like, I think it's just this, just check, right? Where you're able to sort of like check yourself and be like, am I actually holding that? Am I doing what I need to be doing? Am I getting bogged down in like the pettiness or, you know, um, so... Because sometimes politics are petty, y'all. <laughs> no way, no way. Okay, since you bring that up, uh huh. How do you check yourself? Like, uh, I could talk about how I do it, but like, how do you do it? I mean, you're you're working hard. You're mm -hmm. you know got like a this big position. How do you? So do it? one of the the things I think is important for me is just to be able to surround myself with just good folks and good people. Um, you know, uh, Representative Jamie Becker Finn is uh, from Leech Lake, and she is one of my best friends. And it is so wonderful to have another Native woman who's sort of in, in the sort of belly of the beast when it comes to politics. And if, you know, I call her and I'm frustrated or just like, I am having a really tough day, and she'll just say like, do you put your tobacco down this morning? Well, no, right? And she's like, okay, well, go do that and then call me back, right? Or like, you know, did you smudge today? And I think those are the things where like we have, we have, you know, the, the tools and we have the medicines to help us like, things are always going to be hard, but to help us navigate um, these things. And I think that is like, that's the check is sort of surrounding myself with other people and being like, are you doing what it is that you need to be doing to just be grateful and to ask for guidance when you need it and um, and to ask for help. I think like that's one of the things that's hardest uh, for me to do. Um, but yeah, I think it's just remembering that we have medicines that are there to, to help us out. And working off that, like, how do you prioritize everything that you like <laughs> want to do and like want to accomplish in this position you have? Ooh, that's a good question. I think, you know, we talk about priorities or I think that's a way to talk about it instead of balance because I feel like, you know, balance, 
I, you know, I'm a mom of a six, six year old. And so sometimes it's like, I just have to figure out how to get some food in your belly mm -hmm. and get, you know, you brush your hair so we can get out the door, right? There's nothing that's about balance <laughs> other than like taking care of my kid, right? Like in that moment. So um, one of the things I think that we have tried to do is that throughout the campaign, we spent time um, in every reservation across the state, in the, the urban communities, in the Twin Cities, in Duluth, in Bemidji, and um, have continued to show up and be there. We have our executive order, 1924, um, that we did, uh, that essentially requires our office and all state agencies to engage in meaningful consultation with all tribes before we move forward in decision making. And like the changes we made were ensuring that every agency was was part of the EO that hadn't been the the case before, um, and you know it's been it's been difficult, but part of the reason it's difficult is because we're trying to change, right? Like hundreds of years of how government has functioned. Um, so I think those are the things that I hope. It is the way that we um, engage in a government-to-government -government relationship with our Native nations, uh, respect and honor sovereignty, um, and you know to also just know that we can try to make some shifts. We're guaranteed three years and some change, right, to be able to do this, and that we can make some changes and shifts so that you don't have to have an Ojibwe woman as lieutenant governor <laughs> to like do this work, sure. but it just becomes how we function in state government and just know that that is our role and, and how we're supposed to do things. Yeah, seriously. Mm -hmm. Because you know, we, we have a lot of conversations about that too, like in the media. Like mm -hmm. what foundation are we working off right. of? Are we working off of the mainstream foundation or are we you know, gonna define it for ourselves and you know, use the knowledge from our elders, from our family, from our community and all of that to do right. the work that we do. That's right. So anyway. And I think that's where we get a better result, right? Is yeah. when we have it on the foundation of the things that are real and, and enduring. Um, we're going to be able to do things better. Kind of like bringing it back to the medicines. Too. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Yeah. Yep. See? We were in budget negotiations at the end of session. And we have in our cabinet room in the basement, um, there's all, I got to decorate it, which is awesome. Uh, and there's all this native art all over the walls. And it was important for me to be in that space during that time because I'm like, there's never been a native person at this table before, right? And we put, I put um, sage and sweetgrass in the window. And I think there's some folks who walked in to negotiations and were like, what's that? Like, what are they doing? But no one, you know, it's Minnesota, so no one is going to bring it up. They're just going to, like, deal with it. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but it also is, like, just a reminder of um, this is our space, and we get to create the space. Um, so That's really wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. And you know what? We have one more song that you brought right. in yeah. to listen to called Stomp Dance Unity by Robbie Robertson. I actually really like this guy. Yeah. Me too. From the band and yeah. all that stuff, yeah. So thank you. We'll do that after.
like fires are kindled Sending it back We just make it go back Beating hearts, beating hearts Alright, hello everyone again. Uh, we are so glad you've joined us to celebrate the first season of Native Lights, a podcast where Indigenous voices shine. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts and on minnesotanativenews.org. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lim. It's a great day to be at the fair when I came in today at 10 a.m. It was already pretty crowded, at least for me, but it's still lovely to see everybody's happy faces. Um, And we're doing this show today to partly celebrate the launch of our new podcast that Cole and I host, Mm -hmm. and it's called Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine. Yeah, and it's about all the good that happens in our communities when people find their purpose and share their gifts. And now, we want to introduce you to someone who's involved with an organization called Twin Cities Native Native Lacrosse. Good. Welcome, Sarah Wheelock, to the show. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks for for being here. And I hear, Sarah, that you are the parent of two youth lacrosse players. That's true. I have Ava, who's going to be an eighth grader, who plays with the girls team, and my son Jack, who's a sixth grader, who has been playing for several years with the boys team. Perfect. And can you just tell us a little bit about Twin Cities Native Lacrosse? Like, how did it get started? How did you get involved? I sure can. So, this organization was founded in October 2014 by John Hunter and Shane Thompson and John's wife, Lana Hunter, too. So we're coming up on five years of this organization being here in the cities. And I moved, I lived and worked in Minneapolis, moved back to Iowa for eight years, and then came back about three years ago. So the organization was a couple years old, and when we came back, we knew it was here. We got plugged in, and it was a really great way for us to get integrated back into the native indigenous community that exists in the Twin Cities that we had been missing since we'd left. So it was a wonderful way to be welcomed back. Great. So, um, how has lacrosse, like, how has it played a role in your family life, and like, how has it benefited the kids and all that? So I would say that it's been a huge part of our lives since we moved back here. In Iowa, there really wasn't anything going on with lacrosse. However, in Minnesota, modern lacrosse is a really big deal. And what we found was that a lot of modern lacrosse players across Minnesota don't even know that this is actually an indigenous sport, that indigenous people created it. And we call it the creator's game, or we call it traditional lacrosse, because it's more than a game. And I actually, I brought a book with me by Art Colson, who is a native person from Oklahoma. He wrote a book about the creator's game, and I want to read a little selection from that. All right. Um, The story is about a young boy who's trying to learn about his ties to traditional lacrosse, but he plays modern. Oh, beautiful. And so um, his grandfather, who's passed away, comes back to him in his dreams and talks to him. And he says, you know why we play the game, don't you? It's more than a game. It's the creator's game. We play for his amusement. Indian people see lacrosse as a spiritual ceremony, like a prayer, a song, or a dance. We play it when people are sick, like medicine. We play it when we have something to celebrate. And also we play it to have fun. And that really, I think, epitomizes what traditional lacrosse is about. And we have done all three. We have played in a medicine game for healing for one of our elders here in the community. And we also play for fun, but there's something that's healing about it every time we get together 
with other indigenous people and people who are allies who want to play the game as well here in the cities. So um, with the kids, they never really took to any sport until we moved back here. And traditional lacrosse is something that has become so ingrained in our family that we play almost every week. We play with Twin Cities. My husband coaches with Twin Cities. Um, it's really integral to who we are here in Minnesota now. Wonderful. And, and, go ahead. Sorry, and just for like the listeners who may not quite know how lacrosse is played, can you just give us a quick like rundown of the game sure. of lacrosse? So, um, the thing that's interesting about traditional lacrosse is the sticks are very different. Mm. And the sticks depend on what area you're from, too. Oh. So Anishinaabeg and um, Dakota player sticks are usually very long with a small hoop at the end. Um, and then there will be some leather thongs that are across the end of it. In Oklahoma, they play double ball or stick ball, and they have two sticks. Um, out in the East Coast, the Iroquois have a stick that looks a lot more like a modern lacrosse stick with sort of that triangular head. Um, the other thing that's really different is the goaling, right? The, how do you score a goal? Um, in modern lacrosse, they have what almost looks like soccer goals. You get it in the net, you're good, you've yeah. scored. Um, in traditional lacrosse, there's a single post and you have to hit the post. Oh, okay. So it, I think, is much more challenging. Sure. And yet the game comes really naturally to the kids, Jack in particular, um, is really good at getting in there and scoring. Um, and so I think that, you know, basically you could have the posts as close together as far apart as you wanted. In the past, historically, tribes would actually use this game sometimes to settle disputes. And there would hmm. be a post in one community and there would be, the other post would be miles away in oh. another community. Wow. Um, we usually put the game, we usually have them a little bit closer nowadays. <laughs> okay. um, you know, we play at various parks across uh, both St. Paul and Minneapolis and the, when the weather's nice. And then we try to get some time in the arenas, the heated arenas oh, nice. in the winter time. So, um, and then we're playing on turf. So cool. Well, you mentioned, and you know, we talk about lacrosse being a gift from the creator, mm -hmm. and you know, this podcast that we're doing is all about gifts that are given given to us, um, including it would seem to be those gifts like like uh, lacrosse. Mm -hmm. um, so this the game must be for everybody, right? So like, mm -hmm. what does it take to be able to play? You know what I mean? So, like, what are those qualities? Because if it's for everybody, then even I could play, right? You could play, <laughs> and I would welcome you to come to any of our community games. Sure. Um, I will say that there's a group of folks that we play with um, at Bracket Park every week. The University of Minnesota has a group now called B-I-G, Big, and uh, the actual word is a long, several Ojibwe words um, that I can't pronounce. Uh, and there's also games on Saturdays at the American Indian Center on Franklin okay. from 11 to 3. So there's lots of opportunities to get in on a community game. And all you have to do is be willing to be humble, which is, I think, a big part of our culture as well. And just try. It's all about heart. Um, and that's one of the things that makes a great athlete, right? It's not just about conditioning or knowing the rules. It's about the heart that you play with. And um, so I would say it doesn't require much other than interest. And we are very a very welcoming group. Um, nice. I do believe that you know it's really important to acknowledge that part of why we're able to have this here is because we also partner with people from other communities. 
Um, we played a game down in Lower Sioux recently, for example, and that was the first game to be played on their brand new Creators Game Fields down there about oh, a week wow. ago. Oh, wow. um, so that was with a gentleman named Frankie Johnson, or sorry, Frankie Jackson. Um, we regularly have players come over from Sisseton, South Dakota and play with our Twin City Native Lacrosse players. So that's organized through Jeremy Red Eagle. And so uh, the fact that we're able to partner with folks all over really helps bring people together, um, create those kinship and friendships across lines, across state borders, across you know tribal communities, different tribes and affiliations. There's games going on this weekend at the powwow that Ho-Chunk Nation has in mm. the Dells. Okay. Um, once upon a time, long ago, there was a game that was played here at the Minnesota State Fair. Oh, yeah. Um, and John Hunter had sent me one of the advertisements for that oh, game wow. as well. It advertised it was um, Ho-Chunk Nation, and I can't remember who the other team was, but yeah. Wow. I'd so like to see that happen again. <laughs> at the State Fair. It'd be fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so cool. So what is lacrosse look like in your family so what is like your lacrosse schedule and all of that stuff oh, and how does it uh, how do you find um, how do you work that into your lives well I would say uh, the lacrosse schedule when the season is open is very intense we try to have practice we live down in Prior Lake my family lives in Prior Lake but we want to support the, the game and that's part of why my husband is an assistant coach and so we offer to do carpooling. John Hunter will do carpooling as well. And we try to practice as a community at least once a week, but then we also have tournaments that we sign up for and leagues. So for example, um, in our life, we will, what you have to do is you have to choose what your priorities are. And being part of the lacrosse community and part of the creators game community is something we believe in. So we took, um, for example, a couple weekends ago, I told you we went down to Lower Sioux. Yep. The day before that, there had been a game that was organized um, by one of our elders through the Minnesota Historical Society. They wanted to film some of the game for um, an ex exhibition that they're working on. And so we played the Saturday before that as well. So when there's a call for players, we answer that call. And um, we've made a lot of really great friendships along the way with the people, you know, from all over the metro and, and outstate Minnesota as well by doing that. I do want to mention that we are going to have tryouts for the indigenous games oh, that are coming nice. up. Great. On I don't even have to ask. I know we were going to ask about that. <laughs> Um, so Monday? This yeah, Monday? so this okay. Monday there will be tryouts from 2 to 6 p.m. at Haas Arena in Lakeville. And that's for Team Minnesota. So anybody who's indigenous who wants to be on that team and play in the North American Indigenous Games, which will be in July 2020 in Halifax, Canada, can come out and try to be part of that team. We're um, going to have a boys 19U team and a girls 16U team. And it's going to be an incredible experience. I have never been to the Indigenous Games. I have relatives who have played on basketball teams who have gone down there. And I believe that this is going to be an unparalleled experience for our young people to be part of that and be supported by the older people who are, you know, anywhere from our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, and on up to, you know, have that experience. It's going to be a unique experience. It's going to be box lacrosse, so it's not traditional. Okay. But if they're involved with our community, 
they're going to get the chance to play tra traditional many, many times a year as well. Great. Well, thank you, Sarah Wheelock, for thank joining us much. on Native Lights. And it's so Native great Lights. to hear the passion you have for lacrosse, and that's really fantastic. So maybe I'll uh, take a look anyway. <laughs> yeah. I encourage you to come, both of you. Come yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, I'll get you the info. I do want to say a big thank you to the volunteer coaches that work with us at Twin Cities Native Lacrosse. That includes John Hunter, Barry Wheelock, Shane Thompson, Veronica Nash, Nick Deshaw, and Chris Knusen. So without them, we couldn't provide these opportunities for the youth. Wonderful. Thanks, well, thank you for joining us, and enjoy the rest of the day at the fair. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> pork shop on a stick, I there think, is go. in my future. Oh, great. And some of those cookies. Oh, Sweet Martha's oh, cookies. Sweet Martha. Of course, it's a staple. It's a staple. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank, thank you so okay. much for having yeah. me on. Thank you. Alright, uh, now we just uh, want to play just an excerpt from our new podcast uh, for you, and then we'll be right back. This is from episode two, which features several artists expressing themselves in the many ways they discovered just how to do that. So, the podcast has more of their story if you go back and listen to the episode, but this clip features two authentic voices. The first is Kayla Abed, a writer and member of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe. I met her about a year and a half ago. She's one of the first people I actually met when I moved up to Grand Rapids. And the second voice you'll hear is Brian Morrison, who composes and performs. Um, he's a jazz guitarist, and he's currently working on a project called Anishinaabe Jazz. Nice. Here they are. When I really sit down and I start to write, especially when I'm writing in an artistic way, in order to be in that creative space, I have to like put my body there. <laughs> My mind and my body transmit itself to that specific spot that's really special to me in South Dakota. I can like stand or sit or lay here, like on this couch or in my backyard, and my mind can like make me be there, standing there, feeling the wind of like all the different seasons. I can like smell it, the dust and Visually, I imagine in my mind like all these lines and wires and breath are like swirling around in my head all the time, but when my spirit is in that place, it's steady. <laughs> yeah. And some of the most affecting music that to me ever that I've heard is the Anishinaabe drum and the native drum. Um, Anyway, so when I hear this music, it's just I, you know, it just my heart just soars. Like I can, I can feel my whole body, my fill up. Like that's how I want to. That's how I want music, my music to be. And I, when I play it, I want to feel that. I want to feel my body fill up, my soul, you know, fill up. What I'm, what I'm doing with the Nishinaabe Jazz is that I listen to the music and I listen to the drama, I listen to the singing, and, and then I try, start to play along with it. And then I go to myself and play something, carrying through the same emotional content It teaches me. And so that's that's the beauty of where I'm 
add, this, this journey through music that I'm taking is, it's, it's a journey through life. And I love his music, Briand Morrison. You're listening to jazz guitarist Grand Portage. Um, hello, everybody, again. Thank you for joining us. My name is Leah Lem. My counterpoint, my counterpart, is just walking, walking, walking back to put his headphones on. And we are the hosts yeah. of a new podcast called Native Lights. We're coming at you live from the Education Building at the Minnesota State Fair. You can find Native Lights wherever you get your podcasts and on mm-hmm. minnesotanativenews.org. Yeah, we've been celebrating the launch of the new podcast. Also, I'm Cole Primo, just to make everybody sure about that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've been celebrating the launch of the new podcast, but also the gifts that all our guests bring to the community. And now we want to welcome someone who gives us a gift every day, a gift you can use and share. Welcome James Kukulich, the man behind Ojibwe Word of the Day. He has nearly 20,000 followers on Facebook and we're so happy we get to meet you in person. I'm really happy to be here today. So this great. has been really great wonderful. Great. great. Are you enjoying the fair? I am. Uh, it is absolutely beautiful out today. Isn't it? I rolled in with my entourage. I have my parents here, (laughs) Moose and Ninga, my mom and my dad. So it's been a lovely experience so far. Great. Fabulous. So we have a few questions for you, but, you know, feel free to talk about whatever you want because we are here to learn too. Oh, great. Great. I I guess my first question would be like, what inspired you to to do what you do right now? With Ojibwe Word of the Day? well, it started off as, a, as kind of a hobby that I did with Indian education when I worked with uh, Minneapolis Public Schools Indian education. Uh, just to get our language out there on social media, I yeah. thought, well, I'll put on a word, a dictionary citation, and then later it evolved into a picture. The first one is very ambitious. I did both a Dakota and an Ojibwe one. Oh. Uh, and then as it... As I kind of took it over uh, for myself, I began making videos with mm-hmm. Word of the Day. That became its next, the next process. The yeah, next so step. how did you get into Ojibwe Moen? How- Ojibwe Moen, um, it's a pretty unique story. <laughs> I was actually going to be a French teacher at one point in my okay. life. Okay. I moved to Quebec. I did French immersion at the Université de Québec at Trois-Rivières. I studied French for a year. Bonjour. <laughs> and when I came back, I needed to take a course to get my full financial aid credit package. Uh, so I saw Ojibwe was being offered at MCTC with uh, Guayco Gabo with Rick Reshik. I took it and it was the most fascinating story about myself I had never heard told before. I recall getting a book, Ma- Portage Lake by the late Mod Keg, now a Kamagukwe Bun opening this book and seeing this word, Ogi Abajatunawan. And when you see it in double vowel, it takes up most of the page. <laughs> I saw this word, and as someone fascinated by languages, I was like, I have to know what that word means. Yeah. Who uses a word that long? Later I learned it meant they used it. She was talking about harvesting wild rice, and that's taking place right now. So uh, I, I never looked back. I went all in. And uh, yeah, it's it's... 20 years later, here I am. Fantastic. So obviously language is like, has been a big thing in your life before, you know, 
what yes, you do right now yes. because you went French immersion and all that stuff. Awesome, awesome. Yep, cool. So, you know, something happened right in the past. Very, very big uh, cataclysmic events uh, to languages all across Turtle Island. You right? did. You did. You did. Um, can you talk a little bit about the history of the Ojibwe language in Minnesota? Well, um, maybe just like topical. Let's see here. So, well, the language that will become Anishinaabe Moin from the Algonquian language mm-hmm. family has been spoken here for millennia upon millennia. Uh, literally, those two words I used to describe my mom and my father, Nusinenga, those are probably like ice age dated words. So when we talk about like the history of the language, it goes back so far. Before the creation of Mississippi, the Great River, Mississippi, before the Gichigami existed, Lake Superior, there were descendants who spoke a language that would become Anishinaabe Moine. Uh, when we reach the point of contact and then colonization here, we have a period where a number of people are obliged and are forced to go to residential schools. It's what they're called in Canada, or boarding schools mm-hmm. here. Uh, and so for those thousands and thousands of years that the language was spoken, there was a break in the links in the chain, uh, the, the ties that bind all of us, where you had students who went into a total of uh, this submersion is the term I've heard used for it, where they were submersed in English language, in American culture, uh, American spirituality. And uh, from there, a lot of students, it was absolutely forbidden to practice the culture, the spirituality, and to speak the language as well. All of my teachers went through this, went through this process. And when you have some of those chains, links in the chain that are broken, that connect us to generations going back thousands and thousands of years. It can be uh, quite difficult, but it's something that we're acting uh, proactively to. This isn't a reaction to it. We're revitalizing our language. We're giving it life. We're giving it attention. We're giving it care and affection. And, uh, and I think that despite that period, we're we're stronger and, uh, and we're improving. We're giving a lot of strength and love back to the language. And it's giving it back to us too, in our communities. It's really healing a lot of people who have gone through that experience to be able to hear their sound, hear who they are, and to also understand that story. That uh, kind of brings me to the next point, which is, uh, and you kind of talked about it, but like the state of the Ojibwe language and like what can be done uh, you know, amongst all of us to keep, to keep it going, to keep it thriving for me one of the reasons I wanted to do word of the day was uh, there may be people out there who don't want to go into like a full immersion setting where you use nothing but the language or go to a university class Uh, however there are so many people who just want to hear the language on a daily basis who maybe even just using a word it's becoming a catalyst for that healing. It's, it's making their life more holistic. Uh, it's bringing great joy. So many people have made comments that, I remember my grandma and my grandfather saying that, and they're already elders. Like, so they're talking about people saying this in the 1900, early 1900s. Uh, and so many have said, I've never been introduced to the language. I've never had a chance to learn it in my school or even in my university or college. 
this is a really wonderful chance for me to to use that. And as we use it, more and more people hear it, and it, we're giving our language a home again. That's great because it's you know it's a gift. And again, Absolutely. like with the the theme of the show being you know using our gifts, um, and the language being one of those, um, like that's what I love about you know using social media because you make it available to everybody all over the world absolutely you know so and you're engaging with your live audience and things like that you know yeah it's really nice yep. so I mean you got it going right now oh, I yeah. do I do we're live <laughs> Sorry, this is the special state fair edition of Word of the Day <laughs> you, know, you know what you're doing I mean. <laughs> that's right so what do you do you have um, perhaps a word that my brother and I I do. Learn. Yes. I do. And it, it's topical, yeah. but I think it's perfect for a day like today. Okay. How many letters are in it? <laughs> double vowel Maybe or Maybe 12 and double vowel. <laughs> okay. Right. But it's only a, a, few con- a few syllables. Are you guys ready? All right. Yes. The word of the day today, special state fair live edition is yes. Mino Gijigan. Mino Gijigan. Yes. Mino Gijigan. Nailed it. Gun? Gud. Gud. You know, that that's clever. Yeah. Uh, our northern relatives in Canada, Anishinaabe Moen, Ojibwe Chippewa is also spoken in Canada. Uh, they would might say Minogijigun okay. around Winnipeg and the Lake Winnipeg area. Okay, so okay. it depends. But here with Mississauga Gining, uh, Gaza, Gasquad, Jamaica, Malax, Leech Lake, uh, Gichionigamine, Grand Portage, Asabekone, Zaga Gining, Net Lake, Gawababi, Gamekog, White Earth. All of those places, Red Lake, they would all say Minogishigan, and that means it is a good day. It is a good day. Minogishigan. Okay, so break. Can you break it down? Like, I can. Yeah. Um, I love this one because it's one of the first words that you learn in when you're in your first Ojibwe class. You learn about weather, and the question is Ani or Ani What's the day like, or what is the weather like? Uh, and this is one of the teachings I learned right away was, no matter what the weather is like, you can always reply, Minokishiga. It is a good day. There you go. I gotta write this one down. <laughs> well, and I like that too, because it's like, it's like being grateful at the same time as being- It absolutely you know, it's is. Showing, kind of like showing thanks. It absolutely is. So. It gave me an insight into like how our ancestors would greet every day. Uh, so many stories I heard from uh, the Gichi Ayag, from the elders, the great beings, were that traditionally our people would wake up with the sun, watch the sunrise, and offer tobacco and, and say a prayer. And at that point, they would say, no matter what the weather was, if it was B1, a blizzard, uh, give me one if it were raining, Chinudin, uh, very windy. It could always be Minogishiga. And they're showing a great deal of appreciation, of gratitude that in a, in a world filled with billions of people, you know, millions did not wake up this morning, that they were there to greet the sun, that they were there to breathe. In fact, in that prayer, it's Miigwech Nimashomas, Thank you, Grandfather, for shining on me. And I thought, what a brilliant way, what a beautiful way to start the day with a deep sense of appreciation and gratitude. And also, they're dealing with like this, uh, maybe problems of the ego, too, of your own wants and desires. Because 
and people today at the fair will go through this. You're going to be in the sun. You're going to be in line. Yep. You're going to hear maybe some screaming kids. <laughs> uh, as all parents have gone through this. Oh, yeah. And to take a few moments and just, if you can appreciate that you're there. If you can appreciate the sun that's shining. If you can appreciate the, the breeze that's coming by. To take those few moments to get away from your own wants and desires. If you can approach the day with gratitude, it's going to radically transform how, how you lead your everyday life, that, that everyday ceremony of daily life. So it's, for me, it's a, a radically, it was radically transformative yeah. when I learned the de in-depth teaching of that. And that's not just a response to how, how's the day or what's the day. It's just, you can, can you just say it like Minogijigat? Like, Minogijigat. Just a good day. And that includes the whole day so I know often in English we'll say uh, good morning from our ancestors perspective when you say it, it was the whole day it was Sheba uh, in the morning noon so good afternoon it would still be it would be evening and then that whole day is encompassed that whole circle of uh, the sun's path is encompassed in that word it is a good day Nice. Uh, and uh, quickly, uh, I watch your Ojibwe word of the Wit, word of the days, and you always introduce with like a the protocol yes. reading. Could you just quickly go over that? And oh, I'd love to. Yeah. This was this was incredibly important for me to learn and yeah. to share with anyone. Uh, well, it begins with Buju in Dinaway Maganado. Hello, all of my relatives. Uh, and when you're saying all of my relatives in Anishinaabe Moin, you're not just reading the people you related to with by DNA, you're, you're saying hello to all of the beings you have relationship with. That's what makes them a relative. So you're speaking to the Asini, to the stones, to the Nibi, to the water, to the uh, Oasiak, the four-legged, the Venetiak, the birds, the Giguyak, the fish. Uh, you're addressing all of them so that Buju and Dinawe Maganadok, and then you would use your Indian name. And that's, uh, that's how you're known to all of your relatives. In my case, Buju in Dinawe Maganaduk, Kage Gabo in Dijinikas. Hello, all of my relatives. I am he who stands eternally. Your next one that you would use is your clan. Uh, and in traditional society, that would almost be like your last name. So anyone who shared your clan would be a relative. You would consider them a relative. Uh, in Dinawema, I'm related to him or her. So if you ran into them into different communities, you would immediately have relationship with mm. them. And when you're introducing yourself to a crowd, you're saying, I am related to anyone in the turtle clan. Mikanakin do that. And if there are any turtles out there, up, maybe you can put me up for the night or, <laughs> or give me a meal. <laughs> and then your next one is where I'm from, in Dunjaba. And that's where all of your relatives will be, but that's also the land that's taking care of you. That's uh, where your teachings are from. That's how the language you speak is spoken at that particular area. So this is really important because this comes out of the boarding school area era. You had kids coming out of these total institutions, of uh, these places where what they ate, when they slept, what they wore, how they prayed, the language they spoke, what they read was all determined for them. Some of them came back to communities where they did not know how to use their language anymore. When they asked elders about this, what should my first steps be? They were told, find out your name, find out your clan, who you're related to, and find out the name of your community. And that those will be the first steps in you learning 
about who you really are. So, all right. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me over. I wish we could talk for another two hours, but I know we should. Could you tell us where people can find you? You know, of course I'm on on Facebook, James Vuklich, but the easiest way to find my YouTube, a new podcast that I'm launching with. I'm putting my word of the day uh, available for, for download and uh, my Facebook page, all of my social media is at www.jamesperglitch.com. Very good. Very so. Great. Well, thank you. And may I say, thank you all so much for listening. In the spirits, we'll decide when we see each other again. So great. Thank you very much. So now we're going to play a little bit from our new podcast for you, Native Lights, and we will be right back. This is from episode three, which is all about family, what it means, and how we can find it. We talked to a lot of amazing people in that episode, but Cole, you spent time with a woman named Shauna King. Yep went through some hard times before she found her way to helping others. There was this mom. It's not probably the best story to tell. It's probably a negative story. I'm, I'm not a huge supporter of termination. People did not get addicted in a year. But they have to get all everything all together in one year. It's really hard. Even for somebody who's not addicted, it's hard. There was one mom who was in and out of jail, and I would go visit her on treatment. She was prostituting, and she got pregnant. And I remember that her kids were in foster care, and she would give me her email thing, and the foster mom would always send pictures of her baby after it was born. She would always ask me if I could print off her. She'd say, can you print them up for me to be in jail? So I would. And I remember the day that she terminated her rights. It was the only time I cried in court. She came in, she didn't have glasses, and I knew she wore glasses, but she couldn't see. Foster mom came and brought a little boy. He had so long hair, and he's walking around. Just the most adorable little Indian boy. And... She's just like going like this, trying to see him from the thing, and it was just sad. And I know she she loved him, she didn't want to do this, you know what I mean? And I just remember the foster mom raised her hand at the end of the day and stuff and was like, I want you to know that I love your son and I love you. And please get your life together because this little boy needs you. And I'm gonna be here for him. But he wants you back. And, and I was just bawling. And she just this whole speech that she had given. And I was like, that's the way it should be. You know what I mean? That's what should happen. They should be an extended support for parent and that child. And she's like, I will never take your place as his mom, ever. And I knew that she wasn't ready to change her life yet. And so did that foster mom, but that foster mom still believed that she was the mom. So you do the come.
All right. Coming up next on Native Lights, uh, we'll be joined by Rihanna Yazi from the New Native Theater. And Allison Waka with the Pink County Library. Yep. And she does some really great work in the Native community through that. Very good. Yes. This is Native Lights Podcast, live from the Education Building at the Minnesota State Fair. Hello everyone, we're coming to you live from the Education Building at the Minnesota State Fair. I am Leah Lem. And I'm Cole Primo. We're so glad you've joined us to celebrate the first season of Native Lights, a podcast where Indigenous voices shine. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts and on minnesotanativenews.org. On the podcast, we get to know many people whose sense of purpose led to good things in the community. And we're continuing right along with that theme mm -hmm. on our live show today. And with us now, we are in the presence of the one and only <laughs> Rihanna Yazi, the founder, hi. Hi, the founder of New Native Theater, who does like so much stuff, playwriting, directing, oh boy, all just like things. helping community members find their voice, all this stuff. And you know what? We are also expecting Fawn Mason, um, who is in the current production um, as an actor, but she'll she'll find us here, won't she? We'll just wave to her big when she when she uh, when you see her, okay? Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> so, New Native Theater is celebrating 
10 yep. years of mm-hmm. making us laugh and cry. <laughs> laugh and cry. Wow. Have Get a cathartic mad. moment. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Rihanna. Yes, thank you. So, how's it going? Yeah. Hey, it's, uh, it's going really great. <laughs> really great. We've got our show, The Res Sisters, that's running right now until September 1st. And that's um, not too far from the State Fair, actually, over at Gremlin Theater, which is on, like, Vandalia and 94. Um, but it's it's a classic native play written by Cree playwright uh, Thompson Highway. It debuted in 1986. And that's since right. it's our 10th anniversary, we are producing it because we wanted to pay homage to how the native theatrical renaissance got kicked off back then. It's wonderful. So tell us a little about it. What- yeah. All What's right. Tonight? <laughs> I hear bingos involved. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Actually, tonight we have an elders' night, and there will be bingo in the oh. lobby. Oh, okay. But any night you come see the play, uh, we do have a live bingo moment. So the play is about seven women who live on the Wasatchian Hill fictional reserve, which is on Manitoulin Island in Canada. And they all find out that there's the world, the biggest bingo in the world is happening in oh. Toronto. And the jackpot is $500,000. So all of these women conspire to try to get to the world's biggest bingo. And while at the same time, Nanabush is there. And he's also kind of doing his own thing, um, tricking them, keeping them from going, helping them to go, you know, just being his usual trickster self. Yeah. And yeah, there is bingo. There Wonderful. is. Wonderful. And you can win a real prize. Oh, for Ooh, real. <laughs> real prize. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to be there tomorrow to awesome. watch. Nice. Pretty excited. I like those um, middle of the day types, so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too tired by seven. Oh, yes, I know. I know how that feels. <laughs> I know, seriously. Uh, so, what else are you working on, Rihanna, right now? And, and we'll talk again more about the Res Sisters when Fong gets here, but yeah. what else are you working on? Well, let's see. I, um, You know what? This is the first time I'm going to say this publicly. Oh, wow. But uh, I am taking a sabbatical from New Native Theater, okay. and that is starting in September. And uh, I am going to be focusing on some of my individual um, artwork um, and writing. So I do have a feature film that's um, in post-production right now. So that's that's finishing up. Um, so that should be hitting festival circuits next uh, next year. Um, and then I've also got a couple of plays on the hopper and a couple couple of you know other kind of kind of super interesting things that I can't really say yet. Awesome. <laughs> that's always the best, you know, when you you're like, hey, let's talk about stuff. That- Oh, it's, it's embargoed. Like, it's embargoed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting that I can't tell you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, that brings up a, a topic I, I had jotted down because I kind of just did a quick Google search because I know you have so much stuff going on, um, including at Bush. <laughs> That's right? right. Yeah, and I have the Bush Fellowship, which is part of the reason why I'm taking this sabbatical so that I can finish it. <laughs> yeah. I can actually do it. <laughs> well, I saw you had a post, like a note, like a like a blog post, right? Oh, and, yeah. and I read, and you had a couple there, which was, which was really cool. And it was about self care, yeah, and the importance of like family connection and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. you know, as I said at the top, and I'm, I do this too, but like, there's so much to do, right? There's yeah. so much work. There's so many cool things to do. So many great people to, you know, 
bring together and create projects. And, you know, sometimes the ability to do that can, it can you know, completely drain you. it can completely drain you. And I don't, I think Cole is also a uh, burnout. Very, yes. The burnout. classic burnout. Yes, I mean, that's that's a serious thing. Yeah. That's a super serious thing. I think as, you know, as like young Native adults, you know, we're just like trying so much to do so many different things. And we're, um, I think it's just in our blood and our culture to put other people in front of us or if, whenever we get opportunities, we're always like, who can I, who can I also bring in, you know? So, and, and sometimes it it's sort of like um, becoming independent, what do they call it? Um, independently dysfunctional or dysfunctionally independent <laughs> One of those. And, and you forget to, and you forget yourself in the mix but the thing is in order to do your your work well you have to take care of yourself it's just like putting the oxygen mask on first yeah before and, you can really help others yeah. you know yeah and being yeah. able to focus so it sounds like you're kind of choosing a focus for now yeah. Right. And there's so many things to do. <laughs> yes. And you know, I do that too. It's like, there's so many awesome things to do, but I realize I don't have to do it all today. <laughs> there's always next year or the yeah. year after that. Oh, so. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, to talk about somebody who like has a million things going on, you are the perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just a few, just a few, Rihanna. So, when did we get to interview you for this show? <laughs> you are super interesting. <laughs> Someday, I don't know, I don't know. I'll have to put down the uh, old host hat for a minute, but yeah. we'll see. Okay. Um, so, playwriting, acting, and you're acting in the Res Sisters I too, am. right? Yeah. I am, and uh, I'm actually not directing this play, so it's the first play I haven't directed in this in this 10th anniversary season. So um, when we hired a director, um, brought her in from the Bay Area, she's, um, her name's Shannon Davis, and she's got um, Ojibwe and Potawatomi heritage. And so it was a really beautiful match, and it was great to have somebody who's you know, usually like working with places like Berkeley Rep or like Theater Yugen to come to our company and work with our actors who like bunches of them have never, ever been on stage before. So then I thought it was so fun. I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I can just be an actor this time. Only an actor. Only, <laughs> Only right. It, it wasn't that easy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it's been really fun. I've been enjoying it. It's cool. And you know, we worked together for a while yes. in Native Theater. We've done other projects together. And what I really love seeing and what it sounds like here, um, just bringing in folks, both super seasoned actors mm -hmm. and like pros. Yeah. And at the same time, people who are just trying it out for the first time. Yeah. And I'm really curious how you are so, you're so good at it, like able to bring these voices together to make such great productions, like including you know, maybe, you know, the person's a little nervous sure. alongside the person who's got it down. Yeah. yeah. I'd be nervous. I'd be super nervous. Well, I've been trying to get Cole to be in a show for a while, too. <laughs> he, I can't act. He so was sort just... of in Native Man, the musical. But... Oh, yeah. That's that. No. Well, um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it is very much uh, a, a nurturing process. And, and I and I do think that the, the success behind it is that we're all we are all part of a similar cultural understanding. And I think everybody kind of comes in it with with that as the main, as sort of like the main, I don't know, organizing principle, because then 
you can start to be creative. You can let your inhibitions down. And then when folks are around native folks or around other native folks being creative, it, it's just it just kind of like builds on each other exponentially. So in that way, the cast finds safety with each other. And um, and I know that so many of them haven't had those kinds of acting classes where you do you do your two hours of homework every night. You do your character building and your you know your backstory. So so there's also just a process being in the room where you help the actors find those emotional beats and the things that they wouldn't have been able to discover, you know, without the sort of handholding. But at the same time, it's like, um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's just magic. (laughs) (laughs) Just magic. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just walking you through, it's sort of like an accelerated course. That's what it is. Because at the end you have, you have this public performance. So, you know, in school, you, you can learn things at your own sort of pace, but when you're in a play, there's a stronger, you know, uh, I guess, peer pressure and impetus because ultimately it's going to be in front of a lot of people. Sure. Learn by doing. Yeah, it really is. And I think, I think most, so many Native folks are experiential learners. Which That's is what we're doing right now. What Cole and I are doing <laughs> first right live now. Show. Live radio show. It's amazing. Literally just practicing that right now. Is there, are there methods to like, combat the the nerves that you get for like a big production like that yeah uh well my method is being so busy i can't think about it sure uh other methods are to really work with your um with your nervous system somatically so um what what i think is important um when when folks are saying that they have stage fright sort of get them to tactically know the stage Mm. and to sit in the audience feel to feel safe in the space because a portion of that um, nervousness and stage fright is is partially your biology being in a location it's not familiar with. So it's 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 turning on all of your alarms. So if you can really feel safe in the location, that's one way to do it. Um, another way is um, is is trust trusting the process, which is you know you got to have faith in a little bit of a way. But also just um, when you really feel safe with the people who are leading you, that, that's a big thing. Um, you, if you feel like they are the ones watching out for um, the red flags, then you don't have to, and then your body's not on alert either. Yeah. And then also just having, having positive relationships with your fellow actors um, is, is a way to help quell that stage fright too. Very nice. That makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for asking that question, Cole, because, you know, <laughs> we are musicians, right? Oh. We perform, uh-huh. Cole performs like a thousand times more than I do, but it, it's almost like, <laughs> even though you feel like, yeah, I know, I know my stuff, but then you go into the space you've never been before. It's yeah. like, why am I so nervous? You know? <laughs> oh gosh. I am always super inspired when I see you perform, Leah. I mean, oh. like, it's just this, like, such a strong persona and just like, you're so deep in concentration of what you're doing yeah, and how you're I think, performing. I think so too. It is, I feel like it is maybe, super yeah. inspiring. Maybe you're nervous beforehand, but you throw it all away. Yeah. Right when you start. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's a good lesson to learn. It's like, you know, it's, it's normal. And also the big thing is to not care what anybody thinks. <laughs> oh gosh. That is the biggest Easier thing. Easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. Just to not care what yeah. other people think. I love that. And I, I just had a birthday the other day, as you know. And oh, it was like, oh yes, thank you. It's like instantly, I felt more like I don't care what people. Think. <laughs> Every year, I feel 
it's like another level, another notch of, you know what? I should just trust myself more. Yeah. And all that stuff, but. You earned it. <laughs> so, Rihanna, uh -huh. Rihanna Yazim, <laughs> yes, you support so many people in their art. Was there a Rihanna Yazzie for Rihanna Yazzie when you were growing oh, up? When you were on your path? Good that's, question. That's super important too. Um, yeah, I, I, I got into my path because I had a few, a few mentors who encouraged me. So I had, I had a, a, a playwriting professor in college. He was English, and I always thought that was so cool. And then he just, I just remember him encouraging me. And one day he was just like, Rihanna, would you like to write a play? And I was like, yeah, I do. Um, and then he also helped me to figure out like, what should I do after this, after these four years are over? He encouraged me to go to grad school. Um, and, um, and then from there, I, I met folks in the field. In fact, I'm just now reconnecting with a mentor of mine, a playwright named Marie Clements. And um, and I'm just now that she's she's just this amazing First Nations Métis playwright, and I just remember how much I looked up to her. She just let me go anywhere with her. I tagged along, and uh, she's got a play that's opening at the National Arts Center in Ottawa um, in September. And so I'm I'm actually going to get to go and see it. And she's like, "Hey, I have a couch. You could just sleep on the couch." And so I just remember just being like, just in awe of you know of these artists and I, you know for me i i don't know it's just like i just really i don't know the integrity of someone who takes you under their wing is really important so i think about that when um when i work with people um and they're looking up to me and sometimes you just feel like i'm totally you know you don't want to look up to me or like i'm not worthy you know but yeah. i don't know you just try to be a nice person like yeah a good you know just genuinely you just have to be genuine i think so well it comes yeah. across in your work Thank you. comes across in the success of new native theater and you know all the actors and everything come through and all that good stuff so yeah that's really cool so oh how did you know you wanted to be a playwright yeah oh like well, well yeah i mean we've talked about your <laughs> your mentor and your your professor and all that but was there a moment like sharing stories or you know i i don't know that the the major dramatic question or anything <laughs> like that That's <laughs> it. um well i think i think just as a kid and I, I i was observing like what was the most powerful position to be in when you are in this field and i know it's weird to have had those thoughts as a child but um i i remember like when you write the script that that was the story everyone gathered around and i also realized like how powerful films and mostly films when i was a little girl because i didn't get to see a lot of plays um just how powerful those narratives were to like change the way people th thought about things. And I know it changed the way I thought about things. So that's, that's why I, I actually, when I was a little kid, I was like, I want to be a scientist or I want to be a, like a writer. And so I ended up being a writer and um, yeah, it's, that's, that's how I got into it. But I have to say that that mentor in college was the person who really cemented my love for the craft of writing a play it was like yeah i want to be a writer but i had no idea what that meant or what 
what that entailed until until I really understood. And then, of course, I learned things like the major dramatic question. I learned things like, you know, um, conflict and catharsis and, you know, characterization and all of these things that I just thought were so beautiful. Yeah. You know? So the major dramatic question yes. for our listeners, yeah. <laughs> because it is kind of like an inside, it's, it's an inside, not, not a joke, but like kind of a funny thing because Cole and I and our brother Bryce yep. did take a playwriting class with you. That's right. So if you could for our listener maybe sum up the major dramatic question, why it's so integral yeah. to storytelling. Well, okay. Think think of your favorite film or play. Uh, the reason you're sitting through it is because there is something that you don't know it, what's going to happen. There's like this major question throughout the narrative. So like, for instance, you know, um, Finding Nemo. The major dramatic question is, will I find Nemo? And that's the reason you stay through the whole thing. It's like this engine that's on a track that is the propelling thing that gets the whole story going. But then all the really fun stuff is like they run into the shark and the other fish and they have all these different complications. Sure. But still, it's like a fractal in every scene and every moment. The question is, are we going to find Nemo? Or like in Wizard of Oz, is Dorothy going to get home? You know, um, the, the blue pill or the red pill, right? <laughs> the Matrix. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. So, all right. Well, back to the, the Red Sisters play. Could you gotta describe the, totally real how that you know like the, the actors the actresses and you know like um like how you came together and had auditions and stuff like that yeah, that yeah. Okay. so this so yeah so we've been thinking about this play for like a year and a half so um so we got the rights from thompson highway to do it which was, um and um yeah we we just we put out a call and we got back um, a lot of responses from folks who'd actually never been in a play before. And um, and it was just a really fun experience because like, so the, so the, all of the sisters in the Res Sisters, they are just bigger, bigger than life, bolder than life. And they are um, kind of, um, it's, it's, a very, uh, it's, a, it's a very satirical play. Um, and and like some of the characters' names are uh, Philomena Moosetail, and that's who Fawn Mason plays. Um, there's uh, Maria Del Star Blanket, which is the character I play. Emily Dictionary, oh. um, uh, Annie Cook, uh, Phil, uh, Pelijah Patchnose. So these are all characters that are, you know, really, um, really sort of heightened versions of like who you would find <laughs> in real life. Um, and yeah, and so I mean, it, it really was a play that um, it's super important in the canon and um, it's never been performed down here in the Twin Cities. But I also learned from in the process of putting the play on that uh, the play was done in, up in Bemidji, actually, oh. like in like the 90s. Okay. Yeah, and I think it was done at Bemidji State, I think. Okay. And, it, and you can still run into quite a few... Um, uh, women in the community who say that they were in it. Oh, good. Yeah, good. And, nice. and it's a really, it's a really cool thing. Uh, so, like you were saying, it, it was it debuted in 1986, yeah. and but a lot of the, the themes in the play, of course, are still relevant today. But, um, I was I was reading up about it. And, uh, I mean, there's a lot of humor in the play, but it, it also you know mixes it with like the dark realities of the Indian reservation and things like mm -hmm. that. Can yeah. You speak on that just a little bit. Yeah, it. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, 
you know, it, it doesn't avoid any of the issues that, um, unfortunately, the high statistics, um, the negative statistics that um, that Native people have experienced. Um, for instance, uh, Native women uh, have such a high rate of uh, sexual abuse or um, murder or, or going missing. And um, there are some stories like that in this play. Um, there's a there's a story about a survivor who um, an attack that she had had. Um, and I mean, it, it really it doesn't shy away from it. But you also see how this community of women take care of her and um, how they take care of each other. Um, there's you know it, it's uh, there's also a couple of two spirit stories in the play. Oh. And um, and and I think like more than like more than a couple of two spirit characters, I think that you could interpret in the play because you know when you think about different kinds of gender roles, like native native women have never adhered to those sort of western gender westernized gender roles. So so it's a it's a really beautiful uh, illustration of of native femaleness, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, talking about like bringing in all these, you know, stories and um, you know a diverse uh, within Native community, and you know we're we're always curious, you know, kind of in our work, Cole, in the work that Cole and I do with this podcast, with you know Minnesota Native News newscasts, trying to include voices and diversity among the Native community. Um, as somebody who also does stories, but a different mm -hmm. sort of story in a different sort of medium, how do you have any advice? I think be consistent. Yeah. Consistent, I think, is sort of my, my mantra. And I think that's the reason New Native Theater has has been successful. Um, uh, can, and, oh, I thought that was our, our friend. <laughs> um, but, but I also just think, like, having really... Um, uh, continue to learn, um, learn your craft. So I know as a playwright, I I still read how to write a play books. Oh, yeah. mm. You okay. know, I, I'm always brushing up. Um, I'm always, as much as I can, going out to see other people's work. Um, I'm keeping up on the scene, like who's writing, where are things getting done. Um, so I mean, I think I mean there's there's a lot of work there, but I think just sort of like intrinsically, you've just gotta make sure that you have a support system. And I almost, if anything, that's the most important part is have a support system and, and know for yourself like what you're doing is absolutely worth it and it's absolutely what you love. And you will, you will, you will find a way um, as long as you know that you have that, that strong compass for yourself. Yeah. Well, I think you joining us today is one of those things that like that awesome feedback that's like, Brianna Yazi will be on the show with us. You know, if our other incredible guests will be on the show with us, then oh we must gosh. be, you know, we must be doing something right. You guys are amazing. But I'm like, oh thank my god, you. they asked me. <laughs> <laughs> so, but thank you so much for being here. And real quick, if people want to find more information about New Native yeah. Theater and the Red Sisters and stuff coming up, yes, you can always uh, go to our website, which is newnativetheater.org and theater we spell with a R-E at the end instead of E-R we also have a Facebook page New Native Theater you can Google us New Native Theater and Instagram and Twitter and um, brownpapertickets.com look up 
the Res Sisters. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Rihanna Yazi, for being here. Thank you. All right. So. All right. Coming up next on Native Lights, uh, we'll be joined by Allison Waka. She is Menominee and Navajo and is the new community liaison for the Hennepin County Library on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. All right. Here's one more clip from the podcast, episode five, about Native voices in the news media. This clip is from a meeting conveyed by Simone Senegals. She's from the Red Lake Nation and works with the Indigenous Environmental Network. There's a direct correlation between the fact that our voices are not heard in the media and that we are ignored, we are invisible, and so our disappearances, our murders go uninvestigated because people don't hear us, we're not there, and, and that's, that's their fault, yes, but I'm going to do something about it. I'm not going to wait for them to do something about it. The reporter said to me recently, and she wasn't saying it in an adversarial way, but it was this idea of like, why should people care about Native stories? You know, you're only 2% of the population. Um, and she was anticipating what some people might ask her. And I really had to think about that question and like, why do we choose to engage in these systems? And so I think like, sometimes when I engage with media, I'm talking to my folks. When you're hearing the story, I want you to hear me amidst all the other stuff. I at least want to hear, I want you to hear something good about us or our point of view. And so there are times where when I'm navigating media, I have to think like, I'm not just there so I can educate the mainstream. I'm there so that my sisters who are listening, they hear my voice too. Bonjour everyone, I'm Cole Primo. Welcome back to the live radio show celebrating the first season of Native Lights, a new podcast where Indigenous voices shine. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts and on minnesotanativenews.org. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. We are sister and brother. Cole and I are. Mm -hmm. And we're both proud members of the Malax Band of Ojibwe. Definitely. And so, just so we can remind people again, we both produce stories for the Minnesota Native News broadcasts, and we are both musicians, and we'll have a little music. Yeah, later. we'll perform a little later in the show, so, you know, it's all right. Don't worry. We will. <laughs> Everybody's waiting with bated <laughs> Don't breath. Don't worry. Right we will perform, yeah. a, you know, a couple tunes. But right now, we are here in the Education Building at the Minnesota State Fair, the great Minnesota get-together, on a warm... Pretty crowded. It's pretty crowded, oh yeah. Saturday afternoon to celebrate this summer's launch of our podcast. Yep. Uh, the, the podcast is five episodes. Well, six counting what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And it's all about Native people who show, who have found their purpose and are sharing their gifts. And we want to continue that theme in our show today. Joining us now is Allison Waka. Hello, thank you for Hi. having me. Very nice. So you're Menominee and Navajo and uh, have worked in tribal schools, College of uh, Menominee Nation, and uh, you've also worked uh, with Native youth for 19 years? Yes, since the, even before I graduated high school. Wow, so. wow that's great. And your new gig, relatively new gig? It's is about a year in, yeah. Okay, yep. Community Liaison at yep. Hennepin County Library. Yeah, for Community Embedded Library Service. Wonderful. Oh, I just... I love libraries. That's I why I'm too. like, let's get Allison on the show. Because, <laughs> you know, we had 
made contact, made contact <laughs> last year uh, for Open Streets. Yes. Right? Yes, we had you on performing. Yeah, I did a little piano. And In the wind. And, yes. So last year at Open Streets, it was awesome. And the wind... Uh, pushed us inside. Yeah, we pushed us. It. <laughs> <laughs> it was still beautiful. But yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, but Open Streets is again this... This Sunday, yeah. yeah. So um, it, we're having a grass dancer perform at 2 p.m., but it goes from 11 to 5. And um, we'll be making buttons, and we're going to be um, spotlighting American Indian movement. So we're going to have a lot of their history there. We're going to be making aim buttons and that sort of thing. And so, um, and we'll be doing story times and having snacks, all kinds of fun stuff. It's cool. And this is Open Streets on Franklin, Franklin. Avenue. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it starts at Portland, and it goes all the way to 27th. Avenue, so all the way past like Pizza Luce, it's a good couple miles. Right, that's mm-hmm. so cool. So, what's the library's involvement in it then? Well, we're right on Franklin, so it would be hard to to miss us. And I think one of the biggest things that we are known for for Open Streets is our restrooms and our air conditioning. Oh, well, <laughs> it's always nice so, to have. Yeah, and so people stop in and come in and, and make library cards also get their library cards going. Mm-hmm. So, and we're open all, every Sunday from 12 to 5. And so um, we're right then and there while Open Streets is going on. Mm-hmm. So community liaison. Yeah. What? Tell us about what you do. Oh, my goodness. What don't I do? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a whirlwind of, of things. Um, right now we are working and tabling at the Four Sisters Farmers Market. And we... And with my library partner, Becky Wolf, we bring in authors and illustrators. So for the next three farmer's markets, we're going to have an author and an illustrator um, with their with their book to sign. And then we, what we do, the grant that we work under, we give away. What they want us to do is really increase home libraries because with home libraries, um, it's known that it increases literacy, of course, makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we give away free books with our grant and um, part of that... Uh, Becky Wolf, my librarian partner, she brings in the author that is associated with that book. Wonderful. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So that's what currently we are doing for the Four Sisters Farmers Market. It's in Powell Grounds um, parking lot, which is right like a block away from Franklin Library. Yeah, gotta go to Powell Grounds if you're in the area. Yes, definitely. Get your caffeine fix. Get your cup of coffee. Are they still doing Fry Bread Fridays? Well, actually they've moved it to Thursdays just so that they serve um, tacos during the farmer's market. Gotcha. Yeah. Very good. A little note for everybody who goes to Fry Bread Fridays. Um, So you talked about all the things you do. Uh, What and the big theme of our podcast is uh, people finding their gifts and their, their, their ways of sharing that. Uh, yeah. what, so what, what drives you to do what you do? Well, I grew up uh, with a mother as a librarian. <laughs> so I think it started in the womb. <laughs> so ever since then, she had us volunteering in the library, working in the library. Um, and she just recently retired from the University of New Mexico. She was uh, an outreach librarian there um, with uh, an indigenous project. So uh, I grew up around it. And um, so since the early beginnings of myself, that's where books have always been a love. And, um, and it just kind of evolved. Uh, I was working at Roseville Schools for a bit the past couple of years. And um, this 
position opened up and I, I was really ready to stay be a stay-at-home mom and mm. I could not say no to not applying um, it combines two of my huge loves my community and books in the library so I mean it's been the perfect fit for me that's so cool that's such a a gift and a blessing it really is to do that it really is I'm thankful for my job every day that's really wonderful you mentioned you have children do you like did you start reading to them like oh yeah right away or like as they were yeah playing music and reading to him while he was still um still inside yep that's how it goes and now he can read he pretends to read the books himself and and he'll sit there for the 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 minimum that you should be reading to your kids is 20 minutes a day Mm. and so um he's pretty much stuck with that but now we're up to like 30 minutes and he's four years old (laughs) so does he have a book did you give him a book called like um you're going to be a librarian in the future. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll probably do that a little bit closer to middle school. Oh, okay. Carrying on the family legacy. Yes. Oh, my mother would be so proud. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. But um, I'm wondering, so you love books, you love mm-hmm. the community. Can you talk a little bit about what books you recommend for us? Like what's oh new, goodness. what's coming out? I know oh. it's tough to choose. No, I mean, actually my choice is, is pretty fairly uh, simple. My I absolutely love recently is There There by Tommy Orange. And if you have not read it, please pick it up. It's um, won a couple awards recently. He's just, and being here in the city of Minneapolis, it really, and it's, it's about a book, um, of natives in the city of Oakland and how it kind of ties in and how even though we're urban Indians we're still native and so um, it really kind of gives that essence of Minneapolis and I really connected with it on that level it's a really great book and there's um, a couple other books that we really like Um, it's the Indigenous Peoples uh, History of the United States by Roxanne uh, Dunbar Ortiz. That's a new one that just came out. Um, well, it, it's, it's fairly recent with, um, oh goodness, I forget who it was written with. Uh, Debbie Reese, actually. And so um, so that's a recent one. You can get at Birch Park Books, one of our, our little specialty stores here in Minneapolis. Um, so that's a great one to, to great. pick up. Well, that's really awesome. And, you know, Tommy Orange, what a fabulous author. Oh, he's amazing. And he's so down to earth. He came to South High's powwow here in the cities. Oh, yeah. And um, and he spoke and read his book. And, like, it was just cool. He came to a high school powwow here in the cities. You know, that's just... And for being as famous as he is right now, yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, that's really great. So how can we learn more about the library and the outreach that is going on yes. with Native Sure. Kansas? I think the easiest and best is probably our Facebook, Hennepin County Library. We post all of our events there, um, and I think that's probably the best part. But, or hclib.org. Okay, Very nice. great. And, well, sorry, what's your favorite fair food? Oh, I gotta gotta ask. Oh, oh, this is a this is a tough one. Um, <laughs> oh goodness, it, it goes in between just like the corn dog, but uh, probably the uh, Martha cookies. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's is it Martha's? I think sweet it's Martha's. You. Yes, yep. oh, yeah. I always have to sneak those home. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much for being on our show oh, today. Alice. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Great. Enjoy the fair. <laughs> oh, I will. Yep.
All right, now we want to play uh, one last cut from our new podcast for you, and then we'll be right back with our own little performance. Uh, this is from episode four, which is about making space to talk about hard truths. The, wi- the women we talked to for this episode are active in the fight against sexual assault, but in this clip, two of those women actually meet for the first time. And they were introduced to each other. We introduced them after they learned uh, that they shared something in common. Both their mothers were raped and they were conceived and they were the result of the rape. And both just wanted to talk about it, um, which is a really beautiful conversation. This is White Earth Elder Eileen Houdan and Jenny Miller, who's not sure of her tribe because she was adopted. My story is quite different. I grew up in an extended family, so it was my stepfather's family. He's my dad in an Indian way, so never yeah. used that word step stepfather. Right. When I was 10 and we had moved from up north, my cousin was jealous, so she decided to tell me that my dad wasn't my dad. Yeah. So that's how I found that out. <laughs> So then it was just like a real emotional struggle from, you know, from age 10. And then it got worse. As I was 12, my look started to change. And yeah. I didn't look like any of my siblings. Yeah. So it's like, okay, my looks are changing. My mother's starting to act strangely toward me. And I knew that something bad happened with her, you know, related to my father. Otherwise, she wouldn't be looking at me like that. I'm uncovering more and more knowledge, and with that comes a great amount of, of pain. You're, it's, it's pain that's been passed down generationally. It's pain that has been um, carried on the backs of the women in this family. You gotta figure out what's mine to carry and what's mine to just love and... And let be. And let be, yeah. yeah. You know, I feel like I have a strong spirituality and I've been up and down through that, being angry with God and that kind of thing. But um, I really feel like I have a special protection because of what happened to my mother. I think it's way past time to talk about it. And I think there's a huge number of people on this planet who are children of rape. So even, even in the conversation about sexual violence, there's really not a place for children of rape. We're, we're stuck. We're stuck in the, um, it's not supposed to happen, and stuck in the shame of it all. And what we know about moving through and healing from our traumas is that you have to go through it. And that starts by having a conversation. For me, the feelings that come from that are belonging and a sense of compassion, so the space that would be occupied by maybe fear or shame um, doesn't have as much room anymore because being free, uh, being in my truth, and being um, connected are occupying more space. Hey, everybody. All right, got my microphone back in front of my face. I'm Leah Lem. Welcome back to Native Lights Podcast Party at the Minnesota State Fair. 
We hope our show, our show shines a light on some great and gifted members of our community. Mm. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and on minnesotanativenews.org. Very nice. And I'm uh, co-host uh, Cole Primo. And before we get into the music situation, yes, uh, let's talk about you in the state fair. I think I talked about my favorite foods, but what what are you gonna? What's your priority? Oh boy, <laughs> deep fried pickles. Oh, that yeah. Um, uh, what is it? Corn on the cob, and I always get a corn dog. Like I think those are my priorities. I know you know we talk about priorities today. <laughs> You know, really, you got to prioritize state fair food. Mm-hmm. So you make sure you get the good food first. And then, you know, the solid foods that you know are crowd pleasers, tummy pleasers. Right? And yeah. then you move on to, like, maybe something a little more, you know, adventurous. Sure. And don't do the adventurous stuff before getting on a ride. <laughs> of yeah. Do you do rides? I've made that mistake. Uh, do we? Yeah. I mean, I like to get on the... The Gravitron or whatever oh, yeah, it's called. Yeah, Gravitron is... <laughs> Which is probably the worst ride to get on no. after eating food. <laughs> but it's the perfect ride. Yeah. You know, you just stand in one spot, you know, and, and just, just slings you let it go, right? And you get to experience... Shows you the power of gravity yes. and all that stuff Even and physics. more gravity. Very so, nice. Anyway, music. Music, yeah. I mean, we've been talking about this this whole time. Like, hey, we're musicians. Mm-hmm. So I guess we better, you know, make sure we talk about that. Yeah. A little more in depth. Because in the podcast, we do talk more about being musicians, our influences, mm-hmm. our inspirations, Tori Amos, you know, stuff like that. So Steve Rivon. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Hendrix. Exactly. So, you know, we talk about that a lot in the podcast. So for folks listening, definitely check that out. Mm. Uh, but what are you working on now, Cole? Uh, well, right now, uh, me and... Uh, one of my buddies, Jamie Quinn, we're uh, working on recording one of my singles, uh, which is yet to be quite named. I might, I might play today. We'll see. Um, so we're we're getting in the studio. I've I've already uh, I've already been there once, and we've gotten the drums and the bass down, but we still got to get you know the guitar, guitar vocals, and maybe some synth Ooh. if we uh, decide on that. So it's getting that, and then maybe you know maybe getting an album in the future. The the recent future, hopefully. The recent future. Yeah. <laughs> the recent future. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way to say it, but yeah. it sounded cool. right to me. Awesome. How about you? What, what are you working on? What am I working on? Well, a lot of different things. Some things, like, like Rihanna had here, are embargoed. Yeah. But, <laughs> but actually, some pretty cool things. Going to be doing a bit of more composing mm. for others, which oh. I really like doing. Um, I do like performing as well, but... I don't. I don't know. I, I I like making music for others to perform for some reason. That is I interesting because I we were talking to Rihanna and I wrote a, you know a little song for that play that we did a while back, the mm-hmm. ten minute play, and that was really interesting because I you know I composed it and then just you know gave it to them and then then they did that. So it was a completely different experience. Yeah. You know, just handing your something off to somebody but I really liked it it's like somebody reading your poems or something like that it's, yeah. it's different it's like that's not where the stress is <laughs> or like you know I don't know but I, I don't know it's kind of nice to have it go out into the universe and I don't know yeah. so anyway yeah, do you want to play a little something I mean do, yeah do yeah. we want to play our song do you want should I do my song do a song first or you know what let's do our let's do the, uh, mine because right. then we can do yours and then 
Let's do it. All right. All right. All right. What's the song called? This song is called Anything uh, by Leah Lim. And it's a... Copyright it's, Leah Lim. You wrote this a while back, right? Yeah, I did. And, you know, I like bringing it out every, while, every now and then because I think it goes really well with guitar. Mm. And a lot of my songs I write because I play keys. Usually a lot of those are arranged for keys. So sure. when I have a guitarist with me, I'm like, yeah, let's play well, anything. Hopefully I don't mess it up, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to start this thing up. It's here. all good. All right. stones off the eastern shore I gather all the winds put them in your hands from Bar Harbor I'd ride up six to Provincetown wait for you at Devon's own day drinking coffee anything to make you hear what I need to say if I could love anyone it'd be only you if I gave up everything for you, I wouldn't feel a fool I'd walk the wall until the wall come tumbling Down, 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 down I'd still go to the ropes for you My love ain't gone I ran out of gas somewhere along I-90 we were running on empty for miles without my knowing But I got some money left I won't claim to feel no, no Anything to hold your hands again in between the sheets If I could love anyone it'd be only you if I gave up everything for you, I wouldn't feel a fool I'd walk the wall until the wall comes tumbling Down, 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 down I'd still go to the ropes for you My love ain't gone If I gave up everything for you, I wouldn't feel a fool I'd walk the wall until the wall come tumbling Down, down, down on me I'd still go to the ropes for you, my love ain't gone 
If I could love anyone, it'd be only you. If I gave up everything for you, I wouldn't feel love Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. That was anything. Love it. All right. And we haven't played that in a, a good while, so it's nice getting back into that. Yeah, and what are you going to play next? All right, this is a song that I was previously talking about. I've been working on it for a little bit. Uh, it's kind of based on one of my interests, with it, which is like the synth wave, uh, kind of cyberpunk uh, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> genre. Ooh. So the working title is 80s Bumpin' Lambo Beats. Mm. All right, let me turn up this thing here real quick. 80s Bumpin' Lambo yeah. Whistling across the glass Cruising through neon Tokyo It's like a lucid dream We're going so fast It's like we're in the future Oh, men are flying in the night The colors lift the sun Jagged edges of the city line Still bright in my rearview mirror We sci-fi lovers like to take our time Cause it's like we're in the future of Men are flying in the night The colors lift us up oh, It's like we actually own tonight Hold it close and keep it tight And we won't let go Without a fight A synth wave washes over me Is this the future or is this the past? I feel I've got so much to say But all I want is that the last Men are flying in the night The colors lift us up Oh, it's like we actually own tonight Hold it close and keep it tight And we won't let go Flying in the night, the colors lived us up. Oh, it's like we actually own tonight. Hold it close and keep it tight, and we won't let go. Something like that. Something like Woo! that.
So there'll be more stuff along with it in the recording. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate That's it. awesome, Cole. You know, yeah. there's really, I mean, I know, I've, you know, I've heard your other music with, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, arrangements, you know, mm. with, with, with the synth and the drums <laughs> and the, all that great stuff. But, like, there's just really nothing like acoustic, you yeah. know, like acoustic instrument with vocal. Anyway. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I would like to have, you know, both versions definitely going. Well, that was really cool. Thank you very so, much. Well, it's that time. Mm. I hope you've had as much fun as we've had on this live show from the Education Building at the Minnesota State Fair. Thank you for joining us. Don't tell me we're ending the show now. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> I guess so. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, you, you can check out the first season of the Native Lights podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at minnesotanativenews.org. That's minnesotanativenews.org. Uh, we want to thank all of our guests today and producers Melissa Townsend and Lori Stern and all of the Ampers crew, Joel Glazer, Aaron Warhol, Maddie Frick, and engineer Justice Sanchez. Yes. And thanks to everyone who listened. Chimi Gwech. Chimi Gwech. Wow. Native Lights Podcast is a production of Minnesota Native News and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, made possible with funding from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. This has been Native Lights Podcast, live from the Education Building at the Minnesota State Fair. Mm-hmm.